Well, good morning and God bless you. It's podcast day. It's Pastor Rich here uh, coming to you from Palm Coast, Florida, New Way Church. I hope you're doing great. I hope all is well in your family. Everything is well in your life. Uh, let's just open up in prayer today and ask God to help us and give us some, some divine insight. Lord, we thank you now. And we just pray for insight. We pray for wisdom, for knowledge, for understanding from heaven. Now, we just pray today, Lord, that you'd show us things, reveal things to us beyond our own ability in Jesus' mighty name. And I just pray this, Lord. I pray over every person listening. Uh, in Jesus' name, I speak life. I speak health over you. I speak mental clarity. And I thank you, Lord, that uh, may we learn how to divide your word and may we not be deceived in these last days. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you for being on. Uh, I love these days together. Hopefully in the next few um, uh, weeks or even maybe month or two, we'll add another day. And I'm working on video uh, podcast as well, to, uh, so you'll be able to watch us here. Uh, you'll be able to watch us live on, I think YouTube will be the video side of it, and then you'll be able to listen and or both. So uh, that's coming up. Uh, once again, get your Bible out, get your uh, pad out and let's get ready let's get into this now we've been dealing with and talking about the end times the end time church end time uh, you know uh, anointings the end time attacks end time demons spirits so on and so forth and i want to get into this because these scriptures are becoming more apparent uh, today than ever before and i'm seeing them and i'm sure you are as well but i'm seeing them uh, play out right before our very eyes so let's look at Luke 16, or I can make reference to this because I'm not going to go deep into this. I'm just going to make a reference here. Uh, Luke 16, 26 through 37 talks about the days a lot. And then Matthew 24, 37 through 44 talk about the days of Noah. Now, first the days of Noah. Let's just look at the days of Noah one uh, real quick. Uh, the days of Lot, the days of Noah. So let's go Matthew 24, Matthew 24. Amen, amen. And then we're going to read 37 through 44, because this is the one that really, uh, that you can really see uh, clearly in the hour in which we're living. It says, um, oh, where are we at? Matthew 24, and I'm going to start in 37, and I'm going to go to 44. But as the days of Noah uh, were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now understand this. Let's just stop here for a second. The coming of the Son of Man is, is the rapture. So if you're a note taker right there, the rapture. Uh, this isn't talking about the second coming where he'll put his feet on the earth. Uh, that will be the second coming after the seven period of the tribulation. However, this coming will be the catching up of the church. That'll be the first coming was Jesus Christ came to this earth, lived a life 33 years uh, was the Messiah, came, gave his life as a ransom for the body of Christ or for all humanity, those who would receive it. He, he hung on the cross, gave up his body, uh, dead buried. He rose again, defeated death, hell, and the grave, gave us keys to the kingdom. And then he ascended. When he ascended, the Holy Spirit descended, or he gave the Holy Spirit to us so we'd have a comforter or an advocate here and an advocate in heaven, the first time that's ever taken place. All right, so... Uh, he, he stepped foot on in our world in the flesh at that time. 
And then the next time he'll call us up, we'll meet him, the Bible says, in the air. At that time, the, 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 the element, which with, is the body of Christ that withstrained or withheld the Antichrist from coming into his position will be removed. It's almost like we're the veil or we're the blockade of the Antichrist, according to Thessalonians and Timothy, you know, Paul's writings there, that we are the blockade that is released. And as we're, we're released and caught up in the air, now there, there won't be that force of heaven to withstand this Antichrist or this person. That'll be the most Satan, the most evil that any one person has ever been. All right, we, we leave now. And there's uh, the seven-year period is separated in two periods. Well, after the, that second uh, period, the seventh year is finished, Jesus comes back with a mighty army of heaven, including those who go in the rapture. That'll be prepared for this in seven years. We'll come back. He'll put his feet on Mount Olives, and we will do war against those who are evil, who still receive, refuse Jesus, who are full of um, you know Satan, demons, the battle of the Antichrist, demonic forces, and we will win that battle with Jesus. So amen. But this here is talking about the, the rapture, okay? Let's go a little further. And I hope I don't get too, I know I don't get too deep because you people are very smart. Uh, but as days know, so, uh, so also uh, will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days that they were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered into the ark. Now, it doesn't mean they were doing just those things. If we were to uh, really describe what was happening in a modern sense, they were caught up with life. Write that down if you're a note taker. They were just caught up with life. Now, I don't even think it's a problem that you're caught up with life, but I think the problem lies where we get so caught up with life that we are blind to the day in which we're living. And that's, well, that's, what I'm ta that's where I want to get to. Now, the days of Lot, and I'll make reference to that uh, very simply, and I may have talked about this on the show, uh, but, you know, if you've been in church, you've been listening to our preaching teaching in the last several weeks, we've been talking about occupy out of Luke, occupy till I come. It's also in Matthew and Mark. But Luke says, uh, you know, what do we do? The master left, he came back. Uh, what do we do while you're gone? A parable, he says, occupy till I return. Well, our master came, he left, he's coming back. And our question before he left was, what do we do until you return? And he said, occupy. And that means we continue in the way, in the faith, in the way of the kingdom of God until he returns. And we don't stop, we don't back off, we don't get weaker, we don't get lesser. Actually, we should be getting more and more aggressive in the way of, of God as we're waiting for him. Amen. Amen. So in the days of Lot, and I, we have these two days are, are combined in our era, in this end of the, the, uh, the last of the last days. So we have the days of Noah where people are just caught up with life. They just got busy with life, busy in the culture. They became a part of the culture, and, and they were culture-driven, life-led, life-driven. And we know that in the, in the time we're living that Satan is the God, the small g God, uh, uh, that's over our world. Satan runs and manipulates our system, the system of the world. Uh, he doesn't run and rule God's people, and he doesn't uh, own God's creation, but he has manipulated his way into being over 
the systems of the world. Uh, so that's why they're so corrupt. But the days of Lot, uh, the Bible says that Sodom and Gomorrah had become so evil uh, that men were raping each other, that there was homosexuality at a high level, uh, that there was such a, a, a sexual, you know, impure, a sexual demonic presence that when God sent angels to warn Lot, the men of Sodom and Gomorrah noticed fresh meat, and that's how the Hebrew really describes it, fresh meat entering into Lot's house and tried to break down Lot's doors because they wanted to have their way with this quote-unquote fresh meat. Uh, that's homosexuality. That's just disgusting evil. Well, Lot, but it gets worse, uh, Lot uh, wants to protect these angels, or angelic heavenly men, beings, that Lot says, hey, please stop. You can have my virgin daughters. I'll throw them out to you and have your way with them. Once again, purely evil, disgusting. So let's look at these two descriptions that were given in the New Testament in the last days that are from the old way or the Old Testament that are pointing towards what we were going to be dealing with. We are dealing with now uh, the highest level that our world's ever seen. I don't know if it's higher than the level of Sodom and Gomorrah because God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. But the highest level of, of impure sexuality uh, that we've ever seen, of, of lust, just disgusting, animalistic, driven uh, appetites for, for sex and, and, and for pleasure. Uh, we also see homosexuality at, uh, at a peak right now. Uh, we see uh, not only are homosexuals out of the closet, uh, but they are bent on uh, running and ruling, you know, schools, uh, infiltrating schools, infiltrating our, our children, and, and on and on it goes. This is just evil. So we can marry those two days and say we're not only in the days of Noah, but we see the days of Lot and Noah have merged, and that's the hour in which we're living. Amen. Come on, preach better what you're saying. But let's go back to uh, uh, Noah now. Now, uh, we're talking about just doing life. Like, we're, you know, they're just going about their way, uh, just doing life. Well, I see this, and once again, it's not a big problem that we see it in the world, but I see it more and more in the church than ever before. And I see so many people shrug it off like it's normal. And that's kind of where it gets a little scary. Uh, like, you, you know, you tell people, hey, I didn't see you. And we don't tell people we didn't see you Sunday. We haven't seen you in a couple weeks or your attendance bad because we have to have a good number. We have to have good records. That's not why we say it. We say it and we ask and we inquire because we, we've judged and we know the hour and the, and the moment we're in according to the biblical timeline. And we understand that Satan is sifting like never before. Uh, we understand that Satan is deceiving like never before. We understand that there's a, a level of, of mental you know, uh, being drunkenness, and I'm not talking about by liquor, just drunk in the day and the time and the hour of society, life that we're living in. And we're doing our best uh, to keep people uh, in good grace or, or in, with God or in, a, uh, you know, in, in the heavenly way. So I ask a lot of people, hey, where are you at? Well, we had this. Well, almost like because you had something, it's a, it's a you know, excusable <laughs> because, because you were busy. So you got to understand some things. It should have been this way when you entered into the kingdom of God, meaning when you chose Jesus, 
He now becomes first. Your body is not your own. Your life belongs to him. You traded your filthy rags for his, his royalty. Uh, he took your sin and you took on his purity. So now your life is not your own. You're the temple of the Holy Ghost. You're the p- possessor uh, of heavenly things. So uh, you don't have the ability to excuse yourself from righteous things or from the elements that make up the kingdom of God. Come on now, I'm preaching pretty good. But within this this sting of Satan and in this sinful culture, a lot of Christians now are toying with the idea of a loose Christian or loose Christianity or a loose Christian lifestyle. And not only are they toying with it, some even have already merged the two, like the Nicolaitans, I'll get there in a second, have merged the two like it's okay. Like we, we, we want the world, we want the church, and, and because we like both, we, we're going to kind of merge the two together, then we're going to make this hybrid type of Christianity. Well, that doesn't exist in our Bible. So that, that's, that's, a, uh, that's purely evil. That's ungodly. Let me give you a few scriptures here that kind of deal with this. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober-minded and be watchful. Uh, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Uh, let's look at 1 Peter 4.7. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded uh, for the sake of your prayers. Once again, the end of the end of the days uh, are, are here upon us. Therefore, you know, let's. The end of the days are at hand. What's it there for? And he he tells us, be sober-minded. You got to go to the end of the scripture. Look what it's there for. Now let's look a little further. Uh, he goes again and he says, um, in oh. Romans twelve three, for by the grace given to me, I say, everyone among you not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now, we're not talking about alcohol. We're talking about uh, uh, being mindless concerning the signs that God has given us. Uh, the prophecy God's given us that pointed us toward this end time that we're in. So a lot of people are even mindless now that shouldn't be. A lot of Christians are, are just, just think that they have this hall pass whenever they want to pull it out of their wallet, their purse, and their life's more important, their, their natural life without God, their life that they've created on earth without God, even though you're a believer and you became godlike. Come on now, helping you out today, even though you might get mad at me. You became godlike, and, and God should be first in your life. And the call to heaven is coming, the rapture call. The, the trumpets will blow, and you may or may not go. I don't know. I'm not, not threatening. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just telling you the facts. The Bible is very clear that many will be left behind that uh, some will go, some won't. Actually, there's a 50-50 throughout the uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There's a 50-50 principle uh, where we see there in the parables. There's one in the field, or two in the field. One goes, one left behind. Two in the bed. One goes left behind. Two at the mill. One goes left behind. Uh, Ten virgins, five go, five are left behind. So I don't know if that's an indication of 50%. We do know that uh, narrow is the path that leads to righteousness, and, and broad is the gate. That leads to unrighteousness in the broad gate or the wide gates full, the narrow gate few go that way. 
Uh, so uh, we're, we're not being miserly and trying to create a, a number system. The church is, well, some are, I'm not. I'm just trying to keep you the way of the Lord. I'm trying to keep you in the path of heaven, the path of victory. Amen. Let me give you one more. 2 Timothy 4, 5. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of the evangelist. Fulfill your uh, ministry. And I could go on and on and on and on about being, uh, you know, uh, deceived, about being sober, about being uh, deceived, about being sifted, about being sober-minded, about uh, waking up, about you being asleep. And I'm telling you right now, you're going to be shocked because you're not going to be drunken in a drunken state anymore. When the, when the horn blows, the trumpet of Zion, that's going to be a great sobering sound for a lot of people who have been in a drunken mindset. When that, when that horn blows and people begin to leave earth to meet the Messiah in the air, a lot of people are going to come to the reality that we were kind of like stunned and dazed and confused. Well, let let this end time, well, not me, but us, there's a lot of us, end time preachers help you. Listen to the horns we're blowing. Listen to the truth that we're, you know, professing today and and set down your your life. Get, Get rid of this busy, you know, lifestyle that you think is so important and quit allowing other gods to run and rule your life. You might say, I don't have other gods. I'm not into wooden idols and sun gods and well, that's another problem. In, in this drunken mindset, uh, a lot of us have, have allowed our husband to become our God, our children. That's probably the biggest God in the American family today is our children. Our children, we, we, we run them to and fro. Uh, we got to, you know, live vicariously through them. Uh, we got to, you know, set up this life for them. We got to keep up with the Jones with them. But in doing all these things and serving these other people, our businesses, our jobs, we serve it, we exalt it, it controls us, it runs us, that's another God. Uh, you know, and, and our Bible says, our God says, I will have no other gods before me. That's idolatry. That's idol worship. When, when something runs you and rules you, uh, that's idolatry. Our God doesn't even run and rule us. He gives us the ability to choose of choice. Uh, uh, so we can submit ourselves, surrender ourselves to our God, and we can serve our God. Come on now, I'm preaching pretty good. Well, let me get to this now, because I want to bring into these scriptures uh, concerning the last day's church. If you can go with me, I hope I'm helping somebody. Now, don't get mad when you hear this. Just make the correction. It's just uh, real simple. If you're if you're out of sorts or, or if you're in or, uh, off of the path of godliness, you can just choose... Uh, to get back on the right path and choose God. Amen. Uh, I want to look at this now. I want to talk to you today uh, in these last moments we have about the Nicolaitan church. Um, it's very important that we see this because uh, Nicolaitan, the, this church was birthed in sin or birthed uh, out of evil. So the first place we see it, oh, let me look at here. In second uh, Revelation uh, chapter 2. It says, but in verse six, but this thou hast that the uh, uh, that hatest I hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, uh, he, and he says which I also hate, and then it jumps over to, um, oh thank you Lord, verse fifteen. 
So thou also, them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Now, I want to talk to you about this because we hear this and we think of, oh, uh, what an awful, uh, you know, person, what an awful church. How can people get, you know, you know, this way or to be like this? Well, the truth is, is, is we're living in that era right now. I want to tell you a little bit about Nicholas. I have some notes here. I'll read this to you. Uh, Nicholas in Acts 6, 5 tells us that Nicholas was a proselyte of Antioch. The fact that he was a proselyte tells us that he was not born a Jew, but had converted from paganism to Judaism. Then he had a, a experience a second conversion, this time turning from Judaism to Christianity. From this information, we know these facts about uh, Nicholas, which become the Nicolaitan church. Uh, and he was from Antioch, obviously. I think I said that. But let's t let me give you a few bullets here. He came from paganism, and he had deep roots in paganism. Uh, the other six um, deacons in Acts 6 here, uh, they were from the Hebrew line. Uh, Nicholas's pagan background meant that he had previously been immersed in the activities of the occult. Uh, let's make another bullet point here for you. Let me help you. He was not afraid of taking an, uh, the opposing position. Now, that's good and bad. You can have your own mind. You don't have to think in way of people, but you do got to think in line with our Messiah. Uh, so you can't always get on the opposing side. You, you should really never be on the opposing side. Uh, another point I want to make, and I don't have time to go through it in depth, but he was a free thinker. That's scary. He was a free thinker and very open to embracing new ideas and concepts. Judaism was very different from the pagan occult uh, world in which he had been raised. For him to shift from paganism to Judaism reveals that he was a very liberal thinker. Now, uh, let's think about this for a second because that within itself and I know we think, and you know, we can, I'm free spirited, I'm a free thinker. Well, when you come to Jesus Christ, the things change. And you take on this persona, this person, this mindset of the kingdom of God. And, uh, you know, free thinking or thinking against the kingdom of God is going to get you in trouble. Now, let's look at this. One more point, and then I'll go into a few more things with you. When he converted to Christ, it was at, at least the second time he converted from one religion to another. We don't know if or how many times he shifted from one form of paganism to another before he became a Jewish proselyte. His ability to easily change religious hats implies that he was not afraid to switch directions midstream and go a totally different direction. Now that's, obviously as I'm reading this, you can see uh, so much wrong in this. Well, let's look now because now I want to talk to you about and why, what was so wrong with the Nicolaitans. According to the writings of the early church leaders, Nicholas taught doctrine, a doctrine of compromise. All right, we're talking about modern day people, modern day church, modern day preachers, modern day Christian. This is not how we should be. This is ungodly, but you can see uh, where this fits in the hour we're living. According to the early writings of the early church leaders, Nicholas taught a doctrine of compromise. So what does that mean? Well, that means if God says no, and then we compromise what God said, we can say he taught a doctrine of fabrication. So the, if God says this is how we're to act concerning this matter, 
And then we say, well, we don't want to act that way fully, uh, so we'll, we'll act that way kind of like or a little bit, but we're going to act the way we want so we kind of feel good about ourselves or we still keep ourselves in the, the arena of Christianity. No, you're not. You may feel that way, but Christianity is not feelings. Come on now, I'm preaching pretty good. Let's go a little further. Implying the total separation between Christianity and the practice of occult paganism was not essential. From the early church records, it seems apparent that this Nicholas of Antioch was so immersed in cultism, Judaism, and Christianity that he had a stomach for all of it. He had no problem intermingling these belief systems in various uh, ways uh, and saw no reason why believers could not continue to fellowship with those still immersed in black magic of the Roman Empire and its countless mystery cults. All right, I know we're not in black magic. I know we're not in Roman culture, but let's, look, let's just look at it like this. He thought no reason why believers could not continue to fellowship with ungodly people. Come on. Or, or, or people who are demonic. Because let me just be honest with you. You will never, ever, ever bring people up in their arena or in their realm. They'll always bring you down. Now, you can bring in them into your realm, and then you can pull them up. But if you go into their realm and arena, you're never going to pull them up. But let's just look at this now. So uh, we have tried to bring our sin into the church. We've tried to purify our sin for sake of we're not ready to get rid of our sin. However, we don't want to be you know, ousted you know, with our Christianity. So we kind of want both. So we're going to figure out how to clean up a little bit our sin and bring it in the church, or we're going to find a church that allows us to have sin and the church. Well, that's an ungodly church. That's a Nicolaitan church. Come on, can I read you a little more out of my notes? I'm having some fun here uh, just dealing with this demon. Occultism was a major force that warred against the early church. In Ephesus, the primary pagan religion was the worship of Diana uh, Artemis. Uh, there were many other forms of idolatry in Ephesus, but this was the primary, the primary object of occult worship in that city, in the city of Pergamos. There was numerous dark and sinister forms of occultism, causing Pergamos to be one of the most wicked cities in history or in the ancient world. In both of these cities, believers were lambasted and persecuted fiercely by adherents of pagan religions forced to confront paganism on a level far beyond other cities. It was very hard for believers to live separately uh, from all of the activities of paganism because paganism and its religions were the center of life in these cities. Slipping in and out of paganism would have been very easy for a young or weak believer to do since most of their families and friends were still pagans. A converted Gentile would have found it very difficult to stay away from the, per, the uh, pagan influence. Nicolaitan, or the Nicolaitan was that it was all right to have one foot in both worlds, come on now, get this, and that one needeth, uh, needn't be so strict about separation from the world in order to be a Christian. Let me reread that. The doctrine of the Nicolaitans was that it was all right to have one foot in both worlds, and that one needn't 
be so strict about separation from the world in order to be a Christian. This, in fact, was the doctrine of the Nicolaitans that Jesus hated. It led to weak versions of Christianity that was without power and without conviction, a defeated, worldly type of Christianity. Wow. Come on, tell me now that what I'm saying, days of Noah, days of Lot, and now the Nicolaitan church, Nicolaitan people, that spirit is not alive and well in an operation in the church, in the body of Christ today. We've got some work to do. Um, uh, we, we have got to raise up to a new level. We've got to become this strong bride that our bridegroom is getting ready to come back for. We, we've got some work. You say, how do we get there? Well, I'll, I'll rattle off some things, <clears throat> uh, some simple things quickly because we're out of time. But I'd say to you, number one, if you find yourself in, 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 you know, Noah, you know, in the days of Noah, you're just busy with life or even you've gotten perverted, you've gotten wicked, evil and sexual sin, uh, you know, or, or drunkenness. And I'm talking about alcohol and all that. You're just a mess. Or the Nicolaitans, you find yourself in, in the direction of one of those three things and you realize that while I'm talking, <clears throat> I would immediately, <clears throat> excuse me, find an altar I, a holy altar, not a weird church, a holy altar of God. I'd get on my face before that altar and I'd repent to God and I'd ask God uh, to help me and I'd ask God to come in and give me a fresh new start with fresh fire. And then secondly, I would do all the things you did initially to come to a place of love, uh, you know, in love with God. I, you know, I'd renew my vows. I'd, I'd re Lord, I'm, a, I'm, I'm coming back to you. I'm coming back to my first love. Lord, I believe you're the Messiah. I believe you were dead and buried. You rose again. And I want to invite you fresh and new into my heart. And I never want to leave you, Lord. Deliver me from my sin. Deliver me from myself. Or deliver me from Satan and come into my life. I'd start fresh. And then I'd do the, th the things after that that you were taught to do or, or under that word occupy. I'd, pray, I'd get filled with the Holy Ghost if you're not. If you are, I'd pray in tongues like never before. The Bible says you build yourself up, you build your faith up, you charge yourself, you speak the mysteries, uh, you speak to God, the Bible says, when you pray in tongues. I'd pray in tongues. I'd become a Bible studier. I'd become a prayer. I'd pray on my knees. I'd pray to God on my knees. I'd learn how to pray. I'd learn how to worship oh my God. I'd worship like never before. I'd learn how to love like never before. I'd, I'd learn how to serve other people. And I would do all these things that we were taught initially as a, as a new believer to do, I discipline myself. I learn how to live a disciplined life. I just come back to God, I guess is what it comes back to. And not only would I come back to God, but if you have influence over people or your family, I'd bring my, the, the people or I'd bring my family back to a zero, back to God, not zero in a bad way, but I'd zero our lives and I'd get straight with God again. Wow, that was a mouthful. It went by quickly. I hope this helped you. A little different than times before, but we got to bring sobriety to the church. And I'm not talking alcohol. I'm talking about we, we got to get people back in a heavenly mindset, and we got to pull people out of this world mindset and this worldly, just mummified life where we bounce around and just do what the crowd's doing. No, we're we were called to be a severe people, an army of God here on this earth. So, hey, hope this helped you. It's Pastor Rich here, Richard Summerlin Ministries, New Way Church. You go on our website if you need any help. We got all kind of stuff 
you know, that we can offer to you, help, aids, uh, to, you know, teachings, different things. Uh, RichardSummerland.com or NewWayChurchFL.com. Until next time, I love you and thank God for you. Thank <laughs> you.